What's up? My name is Greg Schnoes, host of the Bevo Broadcast, brought to you by the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Do me a huge favor. Like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating for us. We would most definitely appreciate you doing so. Uh, well, where to start, where to start? Texas beat West Virginia 38-20. to And honestly, that score doesn't indicate how much of a beatdown that that game really was. Texas was up 28 to nothing. Late in the first half, West Virginia got a late TD. Uh, Texas basically played, I don't know, the, the the total prevent, don't cover anybody defense, let them catch everything in front of you, tackle them, and that led to a TD. Okay, so now it's 28-7. to And then Texas gets the ball, second half. Xavier Worthy makes that great catch off a deflection that should have been caught for an interception off the West Virginia defender's hands, and then that makes it 35-7. to Final score ended up being 38-20. to And full transparency, I must say, I predicted a blowout. And this game essentially was. I predicted a little bit more of one. So I think I said it was like 45-13 to was going to be the final. Well, I wasn't off by much. <laughs> I wasn't off by much. And to be perfectly honest with you, I did not see in any way, shape, or form how this could have been a close game. Really, what what made you think going into this game, what West Virginia has done, what is West Virginia's resume going into this game that makes you think that this is going to be close? Let's just roll through their schedule here real quick going into Austin last weekend. They lost to Pitt in week one, 38-31. They got hammered by Kansas, 55-42. Lost that one. Their only two wins are Towson and Virginia Tech. Now, you might go, oh, what about Virginia Tech? Well, yeah, that's a that's a name that most people would recognize who are college football fans. But Virginia Tech's not a good football team this year by any means. So somehow, someway, your only wins are against bad teams. And the only two decent teams that you played, you lost both. So what made you think that this was going to be a close game in any way, shape, or form? I don't know. It just blew my mind. And I get it. I know why. And I'll tell you. Texas lost the weekend before to Texas Tech. And the easy kind of, I don't even know how else to put it, just the the lazy take, Texas is back, oh, ha, 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 they stink, they lose again, they're overrated every year, they fall on their face, blah, blah, blah. Mind you, this is the team that was within a, uh, a field goal uh, of beating Alabama, who's currently ranked the number one team in the country, who, who I would think most people would say are pretty good. And if you want to really go back and look at that game, there was a lot of missed calls in that game. Texas had opportunities that they didn't take advantage of, but Texas was very close to winning that game. It's not like they went in there and it was close for a quarter and then they got blown out and the rest of it. So Texas is a good football team. They lost a tough game at Tech, but I think a lot of people conveniently forget they're playing with a backup quarterback. Yes, he played last year, but he got benched for a reason because they thought he wasn't good enough and the other guy in Casey Thompson, who's now at Nebraska, would be better. So you're playing with a backup quarterback. Xavier Worthy got hurt like on the first or second play of the game against Texas Tech. Didn't play the entire second half. I think most college football experts or commentators would say Xavier Worthy is probably one of the better receivers in, if not the country, he's definitely one of the best, if not the best, in the Big 12. He's definitely in the conversation. So you're, you're going on the road, playing a lot of young guys. Your top playmaker, who pretty much once he's out of the game, changes the whole the way your dynamic of your offense runs because Xavier Worthy brings such a presence and what he can do, and defenses have to account for that. So he's not playing. Your backup quarterback's playing, who's not 100%, and you're playing a ton of young guys on both sides of the ball. Let's just conveniently forget all of those 
facts, as I do my air quotes, and just just use the lazy argument that Texas is back, ha ha ha, let's make fun of them, they suck. That's sad, that's lame, that's pathetic. And as a Longhorn fan, I get it. That is the only reason that people were thinking this was going to be a close game. Because they lost the weekend before, despite forgetting all those things that I just mentioned, against West Virginia, who's not good. West Virginia is a below, is, here, how can I put this? West Virginia, at best, is a below average to an average football team. At best. Xavier Worthy threw as many touchdown passes as JT Daniels did on Saturday night in Austin. Uh, again, like I said last week, he this is his third college football team he's played for. Name me the last quarterback who has transferred multiple times, who finally gets somewhere and finally gets the chance to play and just lights it up and has a great career and goes on into the NFL and just becomes fantastic. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Like I think of plenty of guys that have transferred a lot, but usually they don't mount to a whole bunch. Some of them make them to the NFL, but they usually don't last. So forgive me for thinking that this is going to be a blowout because that's essentially what it was. So I think a lot of that just, Texas is back. Oh, they fell on their face. Here we go again. That whole narrative just gets played out over and over. And it seems like Texas is held to the standard that a lot of other places are not. If, God forbid, if they don't go undefeated every year and win the national championship every year, they're just the butt of every joke. Which is kind of funny to me because last I checked, nobody really has that resume outside of Alabama and maybe Georgia the last couple of years. Who can sit back and say that this team is underachieve that their team is uh, hitting the mark every year, not underachieving? I mean, I don't know. But again, for me, to, it was just silly to think this game was going to be close. That's why I said what I said, and it turns out I was a hundred percent accurate on it being a blowout. I missed the number. Okay, I'll give you that. I was wrong, but I just didn't see this being a close game. I didn't think West Virginia had anything that... And again, Texas is playing at home. They've got... Everybody's healthy. Healthier, put it that way. Hudson Card's ankle is going to be that much better. Xavier Worthy's ankle is going to feel that much better. The offensive line, oh, they're playing at home. It's just another week. They got that bad taste of losing out of their mouth, and they took it out on West Virginia, and they had a great game. So it's it was fun to watch. I mean, I mean, Jatavian Sanders, two touchdown catches, a two-touchdown catch game since 2011 for Texas. So he is bringing back the good old days of Texas tight ends making plays that we have seen years and years and years ago. Um, <laughs> so love watching Jatavian Sanders make plays every week, his blocking, everything. He's becoming a better football player as well. Bijan, you know, the ho-hum, 100 yards, you know, touchdown. Didn't really have the huge explosive plays that he normally has, but still had plenty of moments where makes a guy miss in the hole, you know, makes guys look silly, breaks some ankles, all that fun stuff. Didn't have the big 30, 40, 50 yard run like he normally does, but still very solid game. The offensive line played better. Hudson Cardinals probably played his best game this season. Looks like he's getting more comfortable week by week. So let's get into it. Red River shootout. Texas OU in the Cotton Bowl. The biggest rivalry in the Big 12 Conference is going down this Saturday. I can't wait. It is a game that I look forward to every single year. It, it means a lot to me personally. I was born and raised in Dallas. Uh, hop, skipping and jump from the Cotton Bowl. I was born on a Texas OU weekend, as a matter of fact. My birthday is October 12th, which is next week. But it was a Friday. The game was the next day. Uh, 
So I remember my mom saying in the hospital that she was watching the game after you know, after I was born. So this one means a lot to me, obviously, in many ways. So so looking forward to it. Like I'm like I just can't wait. I wish the game was ten minutes from now, but unfortunately, we got to wait until the weekend. But obviously, Texas comes into the game with a nice victory, as we just mentioned over West Virginia. Came in, took care of business. We're dominating. Wasn't close. Was never in uh, doubt. Whereas Oklahoma's coming into this one in absolute shambles. Their starting quarterback got a terrible cheap shot against TCU, which was targeting. And oh, by the way, Big 12 officials, if you're listening, watch that play. That's targeting. Not when a quarterback's getting sacked in the end zone and somebody hits him in his leg and you call that targeting. Yes, I'm still mad about that silly, goofy call against Alabama and Bryce Young, which should have been a safety. Uh, <laughs> or DeMarvian Overshone a couple weeks ago against UTSA. Like, somehow, some way, when that poor guy makes a tackle, it's always getting flagged for targeting. It's just goofy. But that's targeting what happened to the OU quarterback, uh, Gabriel, in that, in that instance. That was terrible. Probably got a bad concussion from it. Not sure if he's going to play this weekend, and I would venture to guess that he is not, especially with all the stuff that happened with Tua Tagliavoe. Uh, Tua. <laughs> I'm not going to try to say the last name. I usually got to say it like four or five times in a row before I get it right. It took me like a good year to get it right. So Tua with the Dolphins, obviously on Thursday night of last week, we saw what happened because he had maybe got a concussion on that Sunday the week uh, previously, and then Thursday night got just terrible hit and head bounced into the ground. It was awful to see, but... Getting back to the Texas OU game, OU, that defense is in trouble. They gave up runs of 69, 67, and 36 yards. Also gave up passes for 73 and 62 yards. What happened? TCU, I mean, my goodness, Max Duggan, their quarterback, he went 22 completions on 33 attempts, 302 yards passing, and three touchdown passes. That's a fantastic stat line by itself. And then he added five carries for 116 yards and two more TDs. One of those being a 67-yard run where he broke into the clear and outran the entire Sooner defense. Wow. I was shocked. I had no no idea that that was going to happen. TCU came in that game and just absolutely dismantled Oklahoma. And now OU's coming into the Cotton Bowl, literally limping into the Cotton Bowl, possibly without their starting quarterback, a tackle a wide receiver and starting running back and potentially a safety and Billy Bowman who returns kicks as well for the Sooners this is just I mean from a Longhorn perspective I don't think I've ever seen a team come into a game against Texas like this since 2005 when OU was starting Rhett Bomar and he was having his struggles early as a redshirt freshman and they had lost a couple of games early that year and Obviously, that was 2005, Vince Young and the national championship team. They put it on OU in the Cotton Bowl that day. I believe 45-12 to 12 was the final. And I really and truly, I'm, I'll go ahead and say it now, I predict the game just like that this weekend. If Texas doesn't utterly blow the doors off, beat the brakes off of Oklahoma this weekend, I'll be highly disappointed. OU's a beat up. They're, I mean, potentially quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive line. That's just all on offense, the guys they could potentially potentially missing out on. That's just, wow. I mean, this plays this all plays into Texas's hands. They're, OU's coming off, I mean, granted, 
We all know it's a rivalry game. If you've watched this rivalry, rivalry for any amount of time, you can point to either side when one team was favored and the other team came in and you didn't think there was a shot. I mean, I can still remember, was it 2015 when Texas came in, losing record, just got bl- blown out by TCU the week before, came in and beat Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. And then I remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, Oklahoma was the better team again. Peter Gardier won four in a row, the only quarterback that won four straight against OU in Texas history. And vice versa. So, I mean, there, there's plenty of times where you, you can sit back and say, oh, I remember this, or when that happened and this happened. But as it stands right now, I mean, Bijan, Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders, they're all, that offense was clicking. They looked like they were hitting on all cylinders against West Virginia, who obviously is not that great of a team. But they took care of business and did the, what they were supposed to do. Now you got Oklahoma coming into this game, potentially missing multiple starters, first-year coach that I don't want to say I think it's too early to say that Venables is not the guy or he's in over his head because it's only October you know give the guy a little more than a month and some change and before we start criticizing his tenure but you know this is going to hurt OU people and fans and alums and are you missing Lincoln Riley yeah you are you don't want to admit you are but you are and it's kind of crazy how I've seen many occasions where people rip on Lincoln Riley for leaving and say all these things, but yet he had that thing going. That thing, and I say that thing, that means the OU football team, the program, was still winning conference championships, multiple Heisman Trophy winners, everything you can think of that's pretty good. And yeah, they didn't get it done in the college football playoff. Outside of Nick Saban in Alabama, who really is? I mean, Dabo and Clemson a few years ago? Ohio State, I mean, they've pretty much been the mainstays. Yeah, Oklahoma never won a game, but they were still getting there. They were still one of the top four. So just to poo-poo all over Lincoln Riley's tenure as an OU fan, I think it's just, I mean, you kind of sound like a bitter ex-girlfriend, to be honest, because nobody leaves OU, and he chose to leave. And, oh, by the way, he's got USC undefeated. And now OU's looking, you know, not that good right now. I mean, it's just a fact. They're, I mean, Texas is probably going to win, and win handily. And Bijan's going to have a good game. And Hudson Card, I think, will still be the starter. For me, as it stands, if Quinn Ewers is not 100% healthy, I don't want him to play. Because, again, I can remember OU 2009, Sam Bradford got hurt in the opener against BYU. And Oklahoma, in my opinion, kind of forced him back a little too early. He played the game against Baylor, didn't really get touched the week before to kind of get his legs back under him. And then, sure enough, against uh, Texas in the Cotton Bowl, I want to say it was the second quarter, Texas corner Aaron Williams came in on a blitz, you know, pounded that shoulder into the dirt, <laughs> you know, in the dirt in the Cotton Bowl, and Bradford never played another snap for Oklahoma the rest of his life. That was it. That was the last time he suited up for the OU. So I don't want to put Ewers in a spot where, hey, we got to put him in there. It's not like OU was desperate. They had – Big big plans for that season. I think they were trying to salvage whatever they could for that season, and they forced Bradford in there a little too early. I don't want to see that happen with viewers. Hudson Card is playing good football. He's playing better. His stats are getting better every week. He's earned the right to stay the starter. Unless Quinn Ewers is 100% and he's not having any pain, he's not having any issues from that injury, then then you put him in. Otherwise, let him rest another week. Hudson Card is is more than capable of winning this football game. And this is not the same OU team we've seen in years previous. Lincoln Riley's not there. Bob Stoops isn't there. That mystique isn't there. That mentality's not there. Brent Venables is, 
a great defensive coordinator. Head coach is is still we don't know yet. It's too too, too early to tell. But I really see Texas across the board winning this game. And if they don't do it in a dominating fashion, like I said, I'll be very disappointed. OU's a, a wounded animal coming into this game. And sure, there's adrenaline and all that you know energy and momentum that's going to be played early in the game. But I think once things settle down and they start playing football, Texas is going to take over and win this game. They've got the best running back in college football, if not one of the best running backs, just like Xavier Worthy. If he's not the best in the conference, then who is? Marvin Mims is a great player, but who's throwing him the ball this weekend? We don't know. We're not sure yet. And if it's the starting quarterback that just had a concussion, that doesn't bode well, I don't think, for Oklahoma. I don't think you can heal that quick from one. But, yeah, I mean, Texas is – every all signs point to Texas winning this game, and I don't see – just like last week, I don't see how they don't win it and don't do it in convincing fashion. They've got playmakers across the board. They're – and you got to think, Sark – has been saving some stuff, uh, <laughs> just like all teams for this game. And Gary Patterson had that great defensive scheme that he helped with Coach uh, PK <laughs> for Texas. Uh, I got to think with his tenure as a head coach and going up against Oklahoma and what they like to do, I'd like to think between those two defensive minds, Texas is going to have a very solid defensive game plan. They're coming in with the momentum. They're coming in with the confidence, unlike OU would, would normally would, I think like they have in years past. So I got to think Texas is going to come in going up against a backup quarterback with a good defensive game plan, get some turnovers early, get short fields from Texas. And Sark is not scared to take a shot. There's so many times where I'm watching and I'm like, Oh, here, I bet he's going to dial up one here. Sure enough. He'll, they'll throw it deep. They're trying like all get out to get that connection to Xavier worthy deep. And they hit on a couple of them. Finally, uh, in the game against West Virginia. And they had one against Alabama with Ewers before he got hurt. But Texas is not scared to throw it out, you know, throw it deep. I mean, if if there's a turnover and you're on the OU side of the 50, and if that happens, let's say, early in the game, if it's maybe a fumble or, you know, a shanked punt or anything like that, and if Texas is at midfield, I wouldn't be surprised on first down you see a play action deep to Worthy and they get a TD out of it. Because I think Sark wants to be aggressive. He's going to want to put – you know, as they say, no gas, all gas, no brakes. They're going to want to stomp on that gas pedal, stomp on OU's throat, and end this one, and basically just win it in dominating fashion. Texas has not done that in a long time, so I really, really think Texas, with all their weapons, and if Hudson Card's a starter, and as far as I can tell, he should be. It's only Monday; we don't know what's going to happen moving forward. But yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a great game. It's in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, in Fair Park, in the middle of the State Fair of Texas, all the ambiance. It's it's a great it's what's that's what makes college football so cool. It's because it's in the middle of a state fair. And the stadium's half burnt orange and half crimson. And you know, you got Texas fight and then you got Boomer Sooner and it's it's like a bowl game because on every play half of the stadium's going nuts. <laughs> you know what I mean? No matter what happens. If it's a big completion for Texas, they're going crazy. If it's a Third down, OU breaks it up, and it's, you know, Texas got a punt. The OU side's going crazy. So it's just such an intense environment, and, uh, man, I can, can only imagine what it would be like to play in a game like that. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good game. You know, Texas wins this one. I'll go ahead and throw it out there. Let's say 45-17. to 17. Let's go ahead and just go, you know, 45, I'm stuck on that. Let's say Texas 45, Oklahoma 17, and Texas is in the driver's seat for the Big 12. They still have some tough games ahead of them, obviously, but this sets them up in very good 
uh, you know, I know Kansas is at the top, but that's not going to last. I'm sorry. Kansas really hasn't had a tough schedule to date. And once they get into Big 12 play and they have to play, you know, the better better part of this conference, I think Kansas is going to lose some games and they're going to fall from from the top. But it's cool. Good for them. It's You know, college game days there. Let them experience that in Lawrence. It's probably never going to happen again. So congratulations for KU and their uh, their start to this season. But this weekend it's going to all be, all be about Texas. Texas OU, the Cotton Bowl, Red River Shootout, the Golden Hat. <laughs> you know, it's going to go back to its rightful home in Austin this weekend, so I can't wait. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun one. So, as always, thank you so much for listening to the Bevo Broadcast. My name is Greg Schnoes, and if you could please like, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating, we would most definitely be thankful if you do that for us today. So, talk to you again soon. Hook them.